Belsnickel is a man wearing furs and sometimes a mask with a long tongue. They, there's a lot of, a bit of a weird details keeper. thrown into these. <laughs> yeah. He is typically very ragged and disheveled. He wears torn, tattered, and dirty clothes, and he carries a switch in his hand with which to beat naughty children. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. So he's a lot like some of our dads. Yeah, exactly. Aside from beating children, he also carries around pockets full of cakes, candies, and nuts for good children. Dude, the last thing on earth I would want is pocket cake. <laughs> <laughs> Just some warm peanuts out of like a crazy old man's pocket. <laughs> It's like, is this cake moist or just sweaty from your thighs? God. He's like, just... I thought this was a Brazil nut. It's actually one of your thumbnails. Welcome to another episode of Growing Up Christian. I'm Sam. And I'm Casey. And Casey, I am currently uh, slobbing on my Christmas nog right now. Oh, are you? Yeah. Good for you. It's actually quick, all uh, nog. Can you like do a quick like ASMR gurgle yeah. for me? <laughs> Delete. Delete. <laughs> Perfect. Is everyone horny? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> it's uh, oh, almond man. nog because it's half the calories and just as good actually it's better dude eggnog is not good um it's like add it, it's like adding sugar and flour to milk and then being like drink this it's like thick and sweet and ugh. yeah it's like uh, it should be described as thick and sweet generally yeah like basically cottage cheese is just like crunchy uh, eggnog right it's like eggnog's yeah. the smooth uh, is it are those similar i didn't realize there is cheese in eggnog it's all milk it's it's gr- i mean it's it's fine if you cut it with enough booze but generally most things are so i don't know yeah. you had a I, you had a uh an eventful night where we got a, we're getting a late start here because um well why don't you tell the people what happened oh yeah well so i uh i got a deer i've been the last like week and a half oh you got you shot like you shot one yeah. Oh, dude, when you told me you were elbow deep in deer guts, I thought you were fisting one. <laughs> not entirely untrue. <laughs> I was oh, okay. in there. It's a uh, yeah, the 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 field dressing part of it is gross. It's really it gross. Awful. I, that's the biggest reason I feel like I'm not fit for hunting. Like I would do it with someone uh if i could visit you at hunting season i would accidentally shoot you most definitely but i might also shoot a deer so it'd be fun (laughs) and i'd try it i would just be like behind you like moving your hands kind of like uh (laughs) that movie ghost there it is instead of killing something (laughs) (laughs) yeah i uh so rifle season here lasts like a week and a half and so it's kind of like Oh yeah, it's it's short, and it, so you just gotta. If you want to get one, you just gotta go hard for that week and a half. And so, like, basically every night and every morning where we weren't, where I wasn't at work, we've been up at five, out in the stand, and then you know, 
out there for several hours at night trying to get one. And I, I've had like multiple opportunities to shoot like a great big one, but yeah, I've just screwed all of them up. Like one, I wait, I've, there's been a couple where I waited too long cause I was waiting for the right angle and what's the and right got, angle just like broadside. Yeah. Yeah. You want them just like standing broadside as possible. And if you know what you're doing, I mean, you can take other shot angles, but I just don't feel like super confident in that. Okay. So if I'm going to, if I'm going to shoot one, I want to make sure it's like as quick as possible. It's down, done, no guesswork or yeah, wondering. You don't want to track it after you shoot it. Yeah. No, it's, that would, that wouldn't be fun. You're over there just like putting your two fingers in a pile of wet leaves and licking it. And you're like, yeah, that's blood. <laughs> yeah yeah so uh i did learn some things though this time every time you field dress one or like uh gut it or whatever yeah, let's talk about that for a minute because that whew. all right did you know that deer can get diarrhea <laughs> I, I they normally have those little uh do they do they poop pellets like like goats and shit like that yeah a little malted milk balls but okay but they also get diarrhea and i'm guessing you know this because it's just like trickling down the sides of their legs because it's it's under my fingernails right yeah. now <laughs> do they release this upon death like humans yeah i th- i think that must be just a universal deal like when you die you you make a mess yeah because your sphincter is just like oh, well i'm dead so it just breaks the dam yeah, it's like one last practical joke to leave on like your nurse or your family member or whoever else, you know. Yeah, it's also a really good like it's a good if you're if you're trying to prank somebody and let them think you're dead, it works every time. You shit yourself, everyone's like, "Oh my god, he's actually dead." And then the joke <laughs> right. comes when you sit up. It's funny. <laughs> oh, okay. So here's a here's an off-topic thing. So, um Somebody that's somewhat close to me is twilight years. Okay. And they're like, they're, they're, they're on the downhill at this point and are now having to like get outside care and stuff like that. And, uh, it's been like a, a huge, shameful, awful ordeal, like the, you know, bathroom functionality and, showering and all of that kind of stuff like you just need you know at some point you need help doing yeah yeah and oh dude when my grandfather was there it was like all hands on deck like you're changing now you're changing to 90 something year olds diapers like it's not oh it's not you did no no not me like my my dad and his like his siblings and all that they all like it was some hands on deck yeah, yeah, not all, not mine. All but, you know, if you were a grandchild, your hands were not on that deck. <laughs> but yeah, I mean that's it's fucking awful. It's aw- and it's like I mean, you just got to do it. Uh but everyone would talk about it and so it's just like, yeah, it's awkward as fuck, but I mean, what are you going to do? Well, so okay, so I've been, I thought about that a lot when this topic came up, you know, and I was thinking I I mean, I went to, you know, little Christian school. We didn't have like a gym with showers and all of that kind of stuff. So like we were all awkward. Nobody wanted to be naked in front of anybody and stuff. I, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, you know, if you know, that's coming, if you know that someday there's going to be some young person, like wiping your butt or helping you shower and wash your balls or whatever, like 
it seems like some of your end of life preparation should be to start wrapping your head around the fact that like people can see you naked and it's not going, you're not going to die. So you want, you're, t- you're saying old people need to shave their pubes is what you're talking about. Yes. That's exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right to the point. Thanks. No, but just like, you know, if you're, as you get older, like that to me is going to be an awkward thing. Like, yeah, I, I just keep thinking about, I should not get to that point. I should not be 78 years old and still like, mortified that someone is going to like see me that a medical professional is going to see me naked or something. Like oh, that. okay. I see what you're saying. You know what I mean? Like, how do you mentally prep for those things? Because that's a lot of what people say is awful about, you know, being in your, your twilight years is that kind of stuff. But it seems like that's all a state of mind thing. Wait, like, so you, you're saying like, even now, do you feel uncomfortable w- around a medical professional if they have to like squish your balls or whatever to see, like, do they do that? I mean, do you even do that? Last time I had a physical, the the doctor was like, is everything fine with your testicles? Do you want me to check? I was like, I mean, I think they're good. I check them occasionally as a 30, <laughs> almost 35 year old man. And I know that that's um, something you need to, you need to do. And I haven't found anything alarming. Uh, but if I had, if I did, I'd be like, yeah, please like, let me know if this is weird. So I don't, I actually, I have no reservations or no odd or awkward feelings. Uh, None whatsoever. Uh, no, not. I mean, it's general discomfort. If you, like, if you go to the YMCA, like, are you just going to shower out in the open? Oh God, no, I'm not a fucking freak. Those people are weird. I'm talking doctors, dude. Doctor. Like here's the, <laughs> when I get old, I don't want my kids to have to like spray down my asshole. Cause it's covered in shit. Like I want to make a stranger do that. Who gets paid to do it. Like that's, I would rather not put my kids through that because I certainly don't want to have to do that for my family, like my parents. And I would, of course, if like, like when my grandfather got sick, it was like a quick turn and he was immediately on hospice and he went at home. Um, And, you know, I saw him, I was able to get down and see him. And like a week later he had passed. And the week before I saw him, it was like, I don't think you need to rush down. Things seem like, they might be okay. And it was just like quick downturn. So like everyone got stuck doing all that awful stuff. And on top of that, you're not, you're not only dealing with this like uncomfortable situation, you're grieving the upcoming loss of a parent and yeah, it's awful. And I don't, if I can, but you know, you also have to have the money to, to go to a place that is going to take care of you until you die. I don't know. Death just fucking is awful. It's like sad for people, but it's also like, the process leading up to it is like stressful, awkward, uncomfortable, gross. Like it just, and then that's the stuff that you just get stuck dealing with at the last minute. You're like, Oh yeah. And there's this part <laughs> sucks. Yeah. I, I guess, I guess it's just those things in general. Like, I don't know, watching some of this from the sidelines. Yeah. Like it makes me think, you know, I don't, I don't want to be at a point where like, I really need somewhat full-time care. And just still be of the opinion that I'm like, I'm not leaving here. No, everybody, everybody like, you know, change your lives to a comp, you know, to like take care of me, even though it's probably not safe and it's all consuming. And like, you know, it's at some point you should, you should go to a, if you have the means, you should go to a care facility, you know, if you have the means, 
I think the problem is a lot of people don't. They're not cheap. The per- well, okay, yeah. The the person I'm, yeah, the one that I'm I have experience with could do that, but they're just not and like refusing to. Well, they're, it's, they it's, need it's to... stuff like that that I'm talking about, where it's yeah. like, how do you do the mental prep work to to be at a point where you're like comfortable doing the things that make life easy and not uh, like, do you have to dread and 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 hate every last second of the end of your life or can you like prep yourself for it mentally so that when it's time you're like i mean at this point i need to go to the care facility i need somebody's help shower and i need this i need that and that's fine and i'm not gonna like hate myself i mean you could pull yourself up by your bootstraps but you know some people just don't have what it takes yeah yeah some people wear crocs that's why i honestly think the a a real legitimate solution to this would be you you don't want to do it too early, but let's say we can haggle on the age a little bit. You tell me what you think, but 85 years old, you just pick up a cyanide pill at your local pharmacy. Everyone gets one. You turn 85 and you just, you grab that bad boy. And when shit starts getting sour, you're just like, all right, it's time. I'm crashing my car into the fireworks factory. Like that guy a couple of weeks ago. Oh, that's, that's actually, I didn't hear about this story, but that's all I really need to know about. <laughs> the video it. was pretty wild, and I was like, "Man, this is kind of <laughs> awesome!" And then the person died, so that, that uh, kind of really takes the fun out of it. I yeah, guess. it does. What a fun sucker, dude! <laughs> well, now that we started off on um, a very negative uh, foot step, I don't know. Um, we actually were trying to kick this off with some holiday cheer. We're a couple weeks out from Christmas and figured we'd look at some Christmas time things that might be fun to look into some backstory or some history on or just have general conversations about. So I so got a before few. Before we jump into like some of these classics, like what, yeah. is, what are some of the things that are like a tradition at your house? Uh, tradition at my house. I don't hmm. Nothing, I mean, nothing outside the ordinary. We do an advent calendar for the kids and put little candies in it. Uh, we get one you can reuse every year, so we can get special candies and fill it up ourselves. Um, we don't do the elf or that kind of shit. Um, not super keen on the elf on the shelf, you know. Uh, Just prepping your kids for Big Brother. Yeah, that's what it right? <laughs> Do you like? Uh, do they like decorate cookies or anything like that? Yeah, well, or I mean, they, they did uh, gingerbread houses with with my mom today. My mom came over uh, this afternoon did gingerbread houses with them. She's done that the past couple of years. Sometimes they'll make ornaments. My wife always will do Christmas cookies at least once or twice, and the kids like to decorate those. Um, but we don't we don't really have a lot. Like we decorate a good bit. We like to as soon as like it hits November. Uh, November 1st, it's like, let, <laughs> well, yeah, it's pretty much November 1st. It's like, let's decorate. For, so we decorate for Christmas before Thanksgiving. And then the day after Thanksgiving, we will get our Christmas tree. Uh, and then this is the first year. Well, we've like gone back and forth on it. We're considering a fake tree going forward. I, real trees are nice, but the economy, man, these things are fucking expensive. Now. <laughs> <laughs> you it's just perfect. need to go into a nice neighborhood. <laughs> And cut one out of somebody's lawn. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. How great would that be? We, uh, 
we went to a Christmas parade uh, last night, and whew, boy, do I still hate parades. I don't they're, think I'll ever like dumb. them. They're the worst. And the first 12, so it's like all the fire departments in the area just like deck the trucks out with Christmas tree, uh, with uh, Christmas lights and d- decorations and shit. And it could, it's cool, but like every single one of them for like, it goes on for like 15 minutes. It feels like every single one's blaring their sirens and you're just like, we get it. Like you don't all <laughs> have to do this. It's so loud. My son was like covering his ears and I had to cover his ears over his hands to like double cover them. So I'm just like squishing my son's head for 15 minutes while fire trucks go by and he's not really having a good time. I'm like, why are we here? This is not fun. No. You guys okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. We decorate. We, we kind of go all out on most, most anything. We either do nothing or we do all of it. I yeah. Feel like. But I came from a fake tree family and yeah. We ha- we are a fake tree family now too, April and I are. They look great now. I mean, I feel like when I was a kid, fake trees were like those look shitty. Like everyone knew it was fake and shitty and it just was like fine. But now you can go to Costco or whatever and get one for a couple hundred bucks and it looks like from a distance it would fool anybody. It would fool an uh arborist is the word i was looking I'm not for an arborist <laughs> i can for sure get behind fake trees i can't get behind fake fireplaces i have to I draw a line there I, I realized this year that my resistance to fake trees is unfounded because every other pine themed decoration i have like the i don't know if garland what do you i don't know what you call it but it just looks like it could be a wreath it could be whatever everything else i have that's supposed to look like pine tree branches is fake i don't know why i was drawing the line at trees all this time dude who in the world uses like real pine tree like garland and stuff like that like wreaths and whatnot out of real pine tree that's that's going the extra mile i bet you the pioneer woman does but she might be the only (laughs) one what about uh, okay decorations for your tree? Are you guys like a coordinated color decorations, no. or it's just a spattering it's, of? Oh yeah, it's like baby's first Christmases, and second Christmases, third Christmases, shit they made in school, whatever they, whatever we just find on there later because our kids thought it would look cool if they just put it on the tree. It's like not even an ornament. It's just like I will place this gently on a branch until it falls off and. <laughs> my dog takes it it's like it's covered dude they they because they decorate it too so like it's literally like the first three feet they'll have like multiple ornaments on one branch and then like four feet up is completely empty because they can't reach so you're just like, it's like you have to like reorganize it for the next like week and a half you're like this looks stupid right there i'll move that over here uh, what do you put at the top of your tree uh a star yeah we do a star too um i all tree toppers are just like poorly constructed and they don't sit on top on top very good. Yeah, that's 100 percent true. Okay. Yeah, you go to the store and you look at them and a lot of them are really ugly. Oh, hideous, I, dude. I feel like at one point when I was a kid, we had an angel that went on top. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can't do that nowadays. I, I'm looking for like um, a Jesus on a on the cross with like a giant crown <laughs> of thorns floating. But the crown of thorns is made out of like his, his loincloth is like green and red. Yeah. And it's like pine trees and holly berries and stuff like that. It's like, oh, man, <laughs> just mount that bitch up on top of my tree. Oh, yeah, it'd be nice. Somebody would definitely buy those if you made them. 
Yeah, just like they buy those flags where it's like Jesus pulling back the American flag to a picture of him being crucified or some inception <laughs> bullshit. All right, one more. What is the quintessential Christmas cookie to you? Uh, they, I don't even know what they're called. They're like, um, like Oreos. <laughs> Chips no. Ahoy. Okay. Uh, they're like a, it's like a almond, almondy cookie, and the frosting is just what? like, yeah, it's it's they're it seems basic, uh, but they're like yeah, almondy, like almond extract, and then it's like, uh, the the icing on it is just like it's milk and powdered sugar, and you just mix it together and splash it on top and then you just sprinkle a bunch of different uh colored sprinkles on it and uh i guess i don't know what you're talking about it sounds like you're talking about a sugar cookie except for the almond part yeah it's a sugar it's basically a sugar cookie but it's not like you put nuts in yours no it's not there's no nuts in it it's (laughs) almondy like it's almond extract okay have you do you know what almond extract do you know what extract is let's back yeah you gotta milk them nuts yeah, exactly. That's what it is. <laughs> it's sugar cookies, except they kill it's my what nephew. I'm drinking. It's my almond <laughs> nog. Oh man, we do. Uh, April makes uh, molasses cookies. Okay, which are people think that's a ginger snap. They're not. Ginger it's snaps similar. are like hard and kind of. Eh. Molasses cookies are like doughy and soft, and then you dip them in sugar, like a colored sugar on top. Yeah, so good. They're incredible. Molasses does not do it for me. Well, I don't know what other people's taste like, but April's are top notch. Nice. Or just eat straight molasses. Also that. You You could. Molasses is not good by itself. It's quite gross. (laughs) It's got a like cocoa powder. Like as a kid, you think you want some of that and then you try it and you're like, oh, yeah. It's like molasses, just like somebody burnt sugar. And turn it into liquid, and it tastes good sometimes when you make stuff with it, but generally it's awful. It's it, like it a whole to like escape all the time. Like if it tips over just a little bit, you're gonna have molasses on everything in your cabinet for the next six months. It is gross to work with, yeah, yeah. Molasses and shortening. Shortening is disgusting. Like Crisco. Yeah, it's like so nasty and slippery and hard to deal with. I don't like it. <laughs> Sounds like There's... your Friday night. It's like there's like a whole string of videos on YouTube that that you can go watch of people like letting their kids try cocoa powder after they've been talked into it. And it's it's really fun to watch. I imagine it's like the cinnamon challenge to some degree. Yeah. So which uh, classic Christmas uh, traditions are we jumping into? All right. I got a few. Not necessarily traditions, but uh, we'll start with. Well, this is a tradition. We'll start with caroling. Christmas caroling is terrible. <laughs> yeah. Moving on. No, it's... God, did you ever do it? We did... Okay, we didn't go to people's houses. I think we did maybe once or twice, but uh, we would go to, like, the old folks' home and sing songs like our kids' group at school would do that. Yeah. And that was fun. It's it's much different singing to a group of people than singing to like one person or two people in their doorway. Is it better or worse to you? It's better to me to sing to a couple people. 
no, 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 to sing to a group of people. Like, I don't want to have to sit there and make eye contact with somebody <laughs> while they're singing to me. Exactly. While you're in the middle of like a B flat, they're just looking you right into your eyes. That's <laughs> <laughs> truly awful. I have only, I feel like I only did it in an old folks home kind of thing. And I don't know if I sang, like just being there, see, knowing someone's looking at your face and knowing the feelings they're feeling about you being there is bad. If someone came to my house to try to carol, oh my God, I would scrooge the shit out of it i i i think i i don't i think i wouldn't want to be confrontational and i'd likely just close the door and go away like my dog goes off when people show up that are strangers and that makes me feel like really frustrated anyway because it's like then he tries to get out and it's like no no i'm not i would be super annoying coming to my door is, is frustrating um but caroling is really bad but i looked up the origins of caroling and look if you google the origins of cal of caroling you will find plenty of things that do not go into the into what i am about to get into but i personally think that's the deep state trying to prevent us from making caroling great again is it okay so origins of caroling thomas christensen he is a god i didn't include who he was in my notes so that's really embarrassing I'm going to go back, see if I can grab that real quick. He was like a historian uh, of some sort, but he paints murky photos of like cabins and things, right? Christensen. Uh, oh, that's Kincaid. No. So I don't know. Well, I don't have it up anymore. Maybe I'll post in the show notes. It's irrelevant because I don't know if what I'm about to tell you is completely true or not. I'm not here for the truth. I'm here. Let's for pretend the like it is, but I think it is. Uh, and he was a, he is a historian, but so I'm just going to say his name again. You can look him up. Thomas Christensen recounted how the carolers or sailors of the 17th century would arrive at homes unannounced in demand to be given the residents finest food and drink. Now, it does get better or worse, depending on whether or not, depending on which side of the door you're on. Uh, and it would they would sometimes threaten violence. The R word. R-A-P-E, destroy property, and sing songs with lyrics such as, here we go, one of my favorite Christmas songs of all time. We've come here to claim our right, and if you don't open up your door, we'll lay it flat upon the floor. Merry Christmas. So it's, you. Give us your food. It's, it's like a pogrom set to like uh, seasonal music, basically. Yeah, it feels very Purge-like. It was just like, you would hear that knock on the door and you're like, is it the milkman? Nope. It's carolers. And now they're going to ask you for your finest food and drink. A musical mob wielding it like table like, legs. Yeah, it feels <laughs> like uh, something like you would see on Broadway, right? Like just a mob of people show up at a door and sing festive tunes before pillaging a home. And I'd love it. It's like if it was a whole bunch of boomers, like, at your door screaming like Lee Greenwood at you, that would be a tea party event. <laughs> it is a, uh, it is a form of looting and rioting. And I don't know. I just, I think it's better than what we have now. Like what we have now just sucks that bad. And I would prefer to go back to the olden days and, and make Carolyn great again. Yeah. People still do it. I guess they don't sing. They just kind of like, you know, strip an Apple store down to the bone. 
<laughs> it's like piranhas on alligators or whatever piranhas <laughs> eat. Carpenter ants. So in the same vein as cal- caroling, there is a Christmas carol that I have been singing wrong my entire life, apparently. Um, Good King Wenceslas. You know that one. Good King Wenceslas. So this I is a song? Good. Yeah, Good King Wenceslas. Good King Wenceslas. What to... No. Okay, so what I've been singing it wrong my entire life. I thought it was Good King Wenceslas went to town on the Feast of Stephen, but it's good... I've been it's pronouncing the... his name wrong, so it's Good King Wenceslas less looked out on the Feast of Stephen. So... Good this King is the. I didn't know that song had words. Good King Wenceslas looked out. <laughs> <laughs> so I, the song is about just this. I don't know. Uh, I think he was a. Let me find it. He's a. He's a duke. He was the Duke of Bohemia. Uh, he's. I guess he achieved sainthood so good for him round of applause i guess uh we'll find out there were some better saints out there but he managed to pay someone enough money to become a saint so that's cool he had money but it's about him like alms giving on the second day of christmas which is apparently what the feast of stephen is and that's uh when you go out and, and give alms to the poor it's a day that's associated with taking care of the poor and the song is about him going out on that day and finding someone to really help out. And it changed him more than he changed them and all that good Christian fun stuff. And so good King Wenceslas, I don't, I think that's how you, I don't know how to say it. Not in song form now that I know how to sing it, but I still can't say it. So I'm going to call sure this dude is long dead, but I feel like if your name has over like five syllables, it's your civic duty to change it or shorten it. Wincy. 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 I like that. All right. Wait, so when does this King guy Wincy. supposedly live? Uh, he's the Duke of Bohemia. So Bohemia was a place. <laughs> In Germany. Like, was this like First Reich? Is that the time period we're talking about? We're talking um, 1935. Not 19. Sorry. Nine, n- 935. Uh, the, year okay. the year of our Lord, 935. Yeah, it was like... Uh, was Martin Luther like hanging uh, Armenians or something like that at this point? Probably. I mean, really, anyone that didn't look like him. <laughs> Incidentally, we know somebody else in history who did something very similar. Um, so this guy, I don't really know what makes him so notable or why there's a song about him, to be honest. But he didn't come. He so his grandfather had had converted to Christianity, um, and his mother was the daughter of a pagan tribal chief. But before she married his father, she did get baptized like a good person. Um, his father was the, I don't believe his father was the former Duke of Bohemia. But basically his, um, his father died and there was a power vacuum. So his, apparently his mother was banished because she was of like pagan ilk. And his grandmother was murdered by assassins. Uh, it said apparently they strangled her with her own veil. But after things settled and everyone was like, oh, maybe we should have a real rational conversation about what we need. Uh, they decided the people of Bohemia decided that they'd like Wenceslas to be their ruler at some point. 
but he was just a boy. So his mother ruled as the regent until he was the age of 18. At which point he said, thanks for nothing, bitch. Fuck you. And he banished her promptly. <laughs> I, I, can't, I think it's so insane. I don't think a queen, like queen regent sounds like a good title, but I feel like they don't fare well a lot of the times. Yeah. I mean, I think that just goes with being a woman in 935. Doesn't always go swimmingly. I think people just worry you're not going to surrender the chair, no matter who you are. So it's sitting in the chair is dangerous. Yeah. Period. It's only it's like if you're the queen regent, you get to be murdered or banished by your own kid. Yeah. I mean, definitely plot twist. She probably didn't see that one coming at all. Uh, but in another plot twist, his brother, I'm going to go ahead and say you say this, Boleslaus. It wasn't very happy about the setup. So he decided he was going to plot to have his brother killed. Um, apparently the country was split into two and they each got aside. But his brother was like, this is a raw deal. I want the whole thing. Uh, no one's satisfied with getting half a country anymore, I guess. I don't know when people got so fucking high on their horse. But um, so... They stabbed him, and then his brother ran him through with a lance. And that was on September 28th. Uh, and then he was, uh, for some reason, Wenceslas was canonized as a saint. I, doesn't, I don't really know why he was a patron saint of fucking your mom over and getting what you deserve, I guess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so was it like assassins that strangled him, and then his brother ran him through with a lance. Yeah, well, they stabbed him, but with small knives, so he'd live. And then his brother just took a lance and went straight through him. Oof. Okay. So maybe so, kind of like pinned him to the wall or with the uh, throwing stars or something like that. Oh, that'd be sick. If they pinned him with them, too? Like, really good. Like, super accurate. I, I definitely thought that that's what ninjas did at one point. Now, what's crazy is, uh, posthumously, he was... Uh, promoted to the duke of bohemia from sorry from duke to king of bohemia uh and then the roman emperor otto gave him the title it was apparently the one who gave him that title so apparently you can just make somebody king after they're dead and it has no real meaning it's the least fun way to be a king that's for sure i guess that's what being a saint is it's like well i mean i i really don't get why he was a saint um he we have a song about him and that's it for doing something. Like, that's the other thing. It's like, wow, we have this song about this nobleman giving alms to a poor person one day out of the year. Like, congratulations. Like you made yourself feel better for one day. Like you're a rich piece of shit that lives up in the palace. And you're like, look at how great I am giving people a chicken leg on Christmas Eve. It's pretty cool. I guess I'm still stuck on the German assassins. Like, I love the idea of like, uh, you know, a guy sneaking around in the castle with a dagger or something, but he's dressed in lederhosen. <laughs> he's got him tucked into his little overalls. It's like, is that um, is that a knife in your shorts? Your your uh, shorts overalls? Or are you just happy to see me? <laughs> Check that man's knickers. <laughs> you have to really enunciate when you say the word knickers. I know we actually had a conversation about that yesterday. That's a, that's a dangerous word. Yeah. I don't play with that word too often. It's, <laughs> it's a scary one. You don't want to do that with nog in your mouth. 
No. <laughs> nope. <laughs> oh, Germany has like some uh, some fun Christmas things because they also have Belschnickel. Have you heard of him? I, I just remember on The Office no. that Dwight dressed up as Belschnickel at one point. Is that where Krampus comes from, too? Is that German? I don't know. It's like everything is Scandinavian or German, pretty much. All the Christmas stuff is, it seems Especially like. Especially if it's dark and twisted. It says, uh, Belsnickel, he was like a companion of St. Nicholas. Um, he visits your house alone. Uh, it combines both the threatening and the benign aspects, which in other traditions are divided between the St. Nicholas and the companion figure. Belsnickel is a man wearing furs and sometimes a mask with a long tongue. They, there's a lot of, a bit of a trapper details keeper. thrown into these. <laughs> yeah. He is typically very ragged and disheveled. He wears torn, tattered, and dirty clothes, and he carries a switch in his hand with which to beat naughty children. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. So he's a lot like some of our dads. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I just, I just like a bearded, tattered Gary Busey is like my Belschnickel. Yeah, <laughs> it is pretty amazing. He did not play. He did not get a role in which I, I guess Bell's nickel hasn't made its way into a major motion picture. No. And, uh, but it's a shame aside from beating children, he also carries around pockets full of cakes, candies, and nuts for good children. Dude, the last thing on earth I would want is pocket cake. <laughs> <laughs> just some warm peanuts out of like a crazy old man's pocket <laughs> it's like is this cake moist or just sweaty from your thighs <laughs> God. Like, i thought this was a brazil nut it's actually one of your thumbnails <laughs> <laughs> it's like when you're a kid did you ever get like the mud did you ever make the mud cups or is just like pudding and cake mixed together with like gummy worms and shit in there Oh, yeah, that was like a classic school bake sale item. Yeah, yeah, that's what that guy's pulling out of his pocket. <laughs> it's not contained at all. You it's just get like a, a, a squeezing out between his knuckles. <laughs> you just have to lick it from between his fingers. <laughs> Bell Snickel doesn't play anymore. <laughs> it's cotton, his knuckle hairs like a bunch of dingleberries. <laughs> beat it up in there furry knuckles dude one of the, the the funniest thing about this is like the idea of like rewarding children with nuts yeah <laughs> like if you, you had kids at your house for halloween and you're just like all right here's a handful of almonds <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like what you know, like an old grandma like a great grandmother does when they come to visit they're like have you been a good boy this year and you're like yeah grandma and she's like, let me give you whatever I have in my pocket. And it's like buttons and strings candy. and cat whiskers and <laughs> <laughs> those, those like black and orange peanut butter candies or whatever are the ones that look like a big peanut. <laughs> Circus peanuts. I would rather have real nuts than that. But they're like completely flattened. <laughs> Why are they warm? <laughs> you could you could make like a fire retardant suit out of circus pants. <laughs> that's actually that's what they do. Like NASCAR drivers are just like head to toe circus peanuts <laughs> for safety. <laughs> um, God. Okay, so 
you want to hear my favorite thing that I've found when I was looking at this? Yeah. Uh, so Scandinavia, man, they got like all the fun things. And, you know, that's where my family hails from. So I'm partial to it. But uh, I got kind of in a loop on Iceland in Icelandic Christmas folklore. And okay. so they've got like the greatest set of characters that are kind of like the the you know patron saints of Christmas. So there's a there's two giants named Gorilla and Lapaludi Lapaludi. Okay. Lapaludi is the husband and he's just kind of like a big doofus. They say he's lazy. He just hangs out in the cave. So Real he doesn't Homer do Simpson anything. Type. Exactly. Yeah, he's like might as well not even be a part of the story. Gorilla is this big horrific giantess that uh she does all sorts of awful things. So she she lives in a cave which apparently is near the Demu Borgir lava fields, which that caught my attention because there's a like band, a black metal band. Or yeah, isn't it? Demu, Demu Borgir. Borgir. I always pronounce it De- like Demu Borgir, but that might be the way to do it. I don't I know. know what that meant, and it's apparently from this lore. What is it? The mag? He said magma that's fields. A, that's a place, this- actually. Yeah, it's, okay, it says it's a real it's lava place. fields. Hey, that's cool. So the these two are kind of part of like a whole family of like Christmas hooligans, and so Gorilla says. Uh, she comes from the mountains during Christmas time to search nearby towns for for ch- children. She's she also likes disobedient children. Um, basically, she looks around and for disobedient kids and then eats them. They're okay. always telling kids like in back in the olden days, they were always telling kids that some like monster was going to eat them. It was it got it was so much the go to that it's weird that kids didn't start picking up on how unbelievable it was. <laughs> well gorilla like walks around asking parents to give her their disobedient children so she can eat them and it says her plans can be thwarted by giving her food or chasing her away those are your <laughs> those are your options so you leave out milk and cookies or you know you try to picture like a timeshare yeah <laughs> <laughs> back to the mountains um so she lives in this cave near the lava fields and it says she leaves her cave, hunts children and carries them home in a giant sack. She's supposed to have like a really uh, like nasty face and just a scary looking lady. Uh, she devours kids and her favorite dish, it says, is a stew of naughty kids. So it's so dumb. Like you could come up with anything better than that. Yeah, it doesn't seem like they put a whole lot into the backstory. Just, She's definitely like, well, her husband, Lapaludi or whatever, is the dumbest character. Gorilla's second dumbest. And it all gets like way more fun from here. <laughs> so she has a pet called the Yule Cat. And it's a giant cat that roams around basically eating people who don't have any new clothes on. <laughs> So it's cat hates poor people. It does, yeah. If yeah, you're basically. poor and naughty, you are fucked in Norway. <laughs> or Iceland. Where are we? Where are we? Iceland. Iceland. 
Yeah, so if you don't have any new clothes to wear near Christmas, you know, like by Christmas Eve, you got to stay inside or the Yule cat might eat you. This is like some, this is what, it's funny because no matter what, this is how you know people are the same everywhere you go. I don't care if you're Christian, atheist, whatever this Icelandic tradition is. Like at the end of the day, all the stories boil down to if you don't do the right thing, you're going to be, you're going to die. And also wear your Sunday best. Then that's it. <laughs> yeah. So it, it says that the origins of that are uh, the threat of being eaten by the Yule cat was used by farmers as an incentive for their workers to finish processing the autumn wool before Christmas. So it used to be like, come on, instead of taking away your health care, they would just, <laughs> they would just tell you that a giant cat had eat you. <laughs> well, what are you supposed to do in a place that has universal health care? You got to come up with something. I know this is going to be a part of I mean that's what they tell people in England now (laughs) if you you don't show up for work finish the cotton do you want everyone to die because they don't have new clothes (laughs) that's the motivator too you'd be like bitch you're not getting new clothes if we don't finish this either so we'll all go down together like I don't care I like this shirt and like yeah well the 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 yule possum will have something to say about that so the yule cat man-eating beast and its gorilla's pet uh my favorites though are her sons so she has 13 mischievous sons called the yule lads but they don't get eaten for being naughty boys do they no they they so they're like trick-or-treat sort of thing so uh, good kids get a, a treat from the, the Yule lads and bad kids get a rotten potato. You're supposed to put out your shoe. It starts like 13 days before Christmas and you're supposed to like put your shoe on a window ledge, right? <laughs> and a different Yule lad visits your window each night and they're kind of rascally. But if you're a good kid, they give you like a treat or a little present in your shoe and <laughs> If you're bad, they just smash a rotten potato into your shoe. <laughs> Dude, it's almost like the uh, the incentive to not be bad just isn't really there. Because, like, what's your gift? What's your gift going to be? Oh, cool, a toy, a new wooden toy car. That's a blast. Or you could just be bad all year long and only get a potato in your shoe. <laughs> like, I just, yeah, I, can I don't clean think my this shoe. is a motivator that kids need. Yeah. <laughs> So each of the Yule lads is like named and uh, they're very Scandinavian names. These are wild looking words, but uh, they all have like a little trick that they like to play. And that's kind of like their uh, their namesake namesake. So the first, yeah, just to give you an idea of what these names look like, Stekjar store, uh, roughly translated as Sheepcoat Claude. And it says that he tries to suckle use in the farmer's sheep sheds. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. It's like, he's so, he's like, it's like when you try to, I'm, he's trying to paint it as rascally. It's like, dude, that's not, no, you're not a rascal. You just have a weird kink. Stop trying to make this normal <laughs> because it's not like it. It's like, listen up guys. I have an idea. We're going to prank the farmers, right? And we're going to suckle the teats of all of their use. And then and then they'll wake up in the morning and they'll never know what happened. And they're like, what? How's that? A, 
How's that a prank? No, guys, it's really funny. I don't. You must be misunderstanding me. We suckle all of their teats, and then nobody knows that it happened. <laughs> it's a great prank. It's definitely against the law in some states, I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, more than a dozen. If It'd be like a Mister Hands situation. Uh, okay, so then there's Gully Gawk. He steals foam from buckets of cow milk. The that's the best dude. I mean, that's why they foam milk at Starbucks. That's the yeah. good shit. He's you gonna the suck foam, the uh, the frothed milk. He likes off a good of the latte. Your latte. I don't. I think we're giving this guy too much of a hard time for just enjoying a good latte. Pretty much all of these have to do with food. It seems like. So I suppose when you live on a barren rock where nothing <laughs> lives. <laughs> Food's like the main concern. You're like, you better be a good kid or you won't get to eat because, uh, you know, spoon liquor <laughs> will come lick your spoon. Is this another one? Spoon liquor. He just licks all the spoons in the drawer and puts them back. <laughs> That's his big gotcha. <laughs> he steals and licks wooden spoons and he's extremely thin due to malnutrition. I like the added data points there for just like, how was that helpful? Why and why does he? Why is he the one who's malnourished? Like, if you're making a point to say that one of the thirteen is malnourished, I think there might be some neglect going on in the home. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, maybe he should suckle a you. Yeah, that should be his prank. Stop licking spoons and actually eat something, you fucking weirdo. Uh, this one is maybe my patron saint. It's Stufer, or roughly translated to Stubby. It says abnormally short, steals pans to eat the crust left on them. <laughs> That's not even a prank. You're doing people a favor. If you're if your kids are naughty, they're gonna wake up one night and I'm I'm gonna be in your kitchen just shaking the crumbs out of your toaster. <laughs> just scraping your bottom teeth against the bottom of a pan. Got any spoons? Uh yeah, and then there's some of these that are very similar. Pot scraper steals leftovers from pots. There's bowl liquor. <laughs> he, he hides under beds waiting for someone to put down their Oscar, a he type of eats, bowl with a lid used instead of dishes, which he then steals. He just eats the residue out of your freshly burnt down bowl. Yeah, it's kind of like when I give uh I'll give Django like the empty peanut butter uh canister and he just like sticks his eight inch long tongue into the back of it to get every little morsel out of there <laughs> it's like bowl liquor uh this one would be annoying it's her or door slammer likes to slam <laughs> doors especially during the night waking people up uh there's skirgummer skier gobbler i guess skier is some type of uh like Icelandic yogurt. Okay. Homie likes yogurt. Mm. Uh, oh, this one might be good for you. Okay. Bajurnut. No. Sausage swiper. <laughs> nice. He hides, hides in the rafters and snatches sausages that are being smoked. So if you're not smoking them, you're fine? You're safe? Yeah, I think so. Like, okay. Maybe that's how you prank him back is you just leave some raw sausages in there. Just, I did that one time. I ate a little bit of undercooked kielbasa, and then I threw up jambalaya all night. <laughs> so you can get them back. 
Uh, there's Glugigir, which is window peeper. Oh, he sounds like a real fun one. He sounds like <laughs> he sounds really silly. He's like another one of those guys that has a really funny prank idea. Yeah, this one must have showed up when the Catholics like sent missionaries up there or something. <laughs> uh, a snoop who looks through windows in search of things to steal. Yeah, like panties. <laughs> Can you just scrape some pot scum or something, dude? Uh, doorway sniffer. Come on. That <laughs> he has an abnormally large nose and an acute sense of smell, which he uses to locate leaf bread or loaf of bread. And that's left in the doorway? I, I guess he can smell it under the door or something, maybe. Oh, I get you. He's sniffing around the doorway and he gets he gets the. OK, OK. Yeah, he's like smells like leaf bread in there. Uh, meat hook uses a hook to steal meat. It's a little on the nose. Yeah. And I like then, a more subtlety in my weird names. Yeah. Yeah. Window peeper is definitely better than that way. Then there's Candle Stealer. He's the last one. He follows children in order to steal their candles. And it says that candles dude, back then were made of tallow so you could eat them. Dude, kids. That's one thing I've always said is kids love candles. That's why my, I get my kids candles every year for Christmas. They just love them. I mean, they're so fun. Really? No. What, they like candles that much? <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, you're being sarcastic. <laughs> it's just insane. You got you to gotta sound out some jokes for me sometimes. <laughs> it's like, he's going to steal all the... I was thinking he'd like steal, like steal all the candles of the parents so that way there would be no light in the house in the afternoons and evenings. But it's just like, why do the kids have candles? Why are kids walking around with candles? Uh, I mean, I guess it's your only source of light. But uh, I feel like nowadays he'd just be like sucking suet out of your bird feeder or something like that. Likely. Taking the batteries out of your flashlights. <laughs> <laughs> like what would the modern day equivalent of some of these be? Hiding their fucking TV remote. He <laughs> just like pops the breaker and <laughs> like, well, I guess it's dark for 10 minutes. I was trying to think about that. Like, okay, what would be some good... Uh, like updated character versions of these, you know? Yeah, definitely remote hider is one of them. <laughs> I think there's like a floor floor pooper. He lives at my house. Yeah, he's a German shepherd. He's he just I, I just clean up his turds constantly. So there's that. What it's a rascal. It's because they just lick scum out of the river in your backyard and come in your house and shit at 2 a.m. <laughs> That could be actually. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I don't know. MP3 stealer. You know, he makes off with your iPod Nano. What's the one that just gives your computer the blue screen of death sometimes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, that one's a. I think the, the Icelandic tradition is pretty fun. I would go to Iceland. That, Iceland is kind of like on a list that I of places that I would really like to go. It's supposed to be awesome, and you can fly there for pretty cheap from some place like yeah. close to where you live. You can get there pretty cheap. Yeah, you really can. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but uh, that is a destination point. That's um, I remember seeing some ads and whatnot about the commercials. It's like fly to Iceland. It's really pretty affordable, accessible, and 
English friendly. <laughs> so you can like, that's always nice. Like that's the thing. If you're traveling and you live in the U S it's like, no one here is going to go somewhere. It, it's hard. I feel like people in other countries are more likely to go somewhere where they don't speak the language to vacation than Americans are. I guess if you deal with that on a more frequent basis, maybe it doesn't seem as uncomfortable. Yeah. I, that's why I'm not adventurous. I think the idea of going anywhere where I'm not going to be easily understood. I I'll get lost. I don't know, man. I traveling stresses me out in general. I'm, I'm not an adventurous person. I don't have that kind of spirit. So <laughs> no, you. Yeah. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, do we want to go through one more thing? One more Christmas thing? Yes, let's do it. All right. So I was thinking about the movie. It's a wonderful life and how it's essentially one of the worst movies that was ever made. I and okay, I know kind of the premise of a wonderful life, but I've never watched it. Okay, so before we get into the plot, we'll just go over a little bit of fun facts about it. And so it was released in 1946. It received mostly mixed reviews at the box office and it was a flop. It didn't make its money back. It needed like, it's hard to know exactly what the, how the numbers line up compared to today. Uh, But I think people didn't come out in droves to see it though. I guess they needed to like make like $8.6 million in order to like hit the desired, like the target for what you'd want uh, your, in order to recoup and actually have it be a profitable movie, but they didn't. They, it was a big flop. No one gave a fuck about it. Um, and the only reason it became a Christmas classic was because some dumb dumb forgot to renew the fucking copyright and it became accessible to everyone everywhere to play for free. So like as soon as it was free, networks were just like, oh, fuck, yeah, we'll just play this nonstop because uh, we can reap ad revenue and pay somebody absolutely nothing. So they just put it on loop and then that kind of tricked people into thinking it was a Christmas classic and it was just fucking on all the time and everyone was duped into thinking it was actually okay. But what's crazy is even though it was a bit of a flop at the box office and people had to be tricked into liking it, this, show, <laughs> this goes to show you how insane and I mean, we know this is still true today when it comes to like awards and shit, like the Academy Awards and how like fucking rigged that shit seems. It was nominated for five Academy Awards, including Best Picture. Wow. It was recognized by the American Film Institute as one of the 100 best American films ever made. It was number 11 on the American Film Institute's 1998 greatest movie list. Number 20 on its 2007 greatest movie list. This thing just stays on the top. Number one. Number fucking one on its list of the most inspirational American films of all time. The only thing Jeez. that movie ever inspired anyone to do is to also jump off of a bridge and hope an angel saves you. What? Okay. Yeah. All right. Give me a rundown here. What? What? Because isn't this the kind of thing where like he does something to. So does yeah. he what? Like he comp- contemplates suicide and then they they show him like what would happen to the world if he killed himself. Yeah. So it, George Bailey's the main character. It's like he considers killing himself and then Clarence is the name of the angel. And this guy shows up and decides to give him some flashbacks of his lame ass 
fucking life of it's like it's dude it's like a version of dickens christmas carol where he just shows him how fucking great his entire life is despite the film being about one of the world's biggest sad sacks and he just does a but like the, the his whole he brings him through his life and it's like look at here you did this nice thing and look at here you did this nice thing and he saves his like nephew harry from drowning at some point and yeah, I mean, he forgets right. a saw when they go to get a Christmas tree and they have to tug it out with their station wagon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, you might be confusing a couple of the different dog movies, gets but... a goes after a squirrel that's in said tree once it's in their house. Yeah. Yeah. I, I forgot about that part, but I'm pretty Uncle sure Lewis is on fire. Yeah. <laughs> the shitter was full. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and one of the other things he did was like, there was like the pharmacist who mixed up meds and was going to give all the wrong meds out to people and they were going to die. And he was like, Oh, hold on a second there, buddy. And then saves the day. Um, so yeah, they go through a bunch of the nice shit he did. And then it calls, uh, and then he was apparently is like in between high school and uh, right before he goes off to college, he's going to just go on some like world tour to see everything. He was like, Oh, let's go see the world before we decide what we want to do for a living. Well, he calls off his whole travels there after his uh, dad suddenly croaks and he gets reintroduced to some girl that he had a crush on his entire life named Mary. Um, so now that his dad's dead, he's like, I got to get the family business ducks in a row. And uh, one of the board members who was like, we need to dissolve this business now that this guy's dead. Uh, you know, George was such an upstanding guy that they're like, well, we'll agree to let it keep running as long as, you know, George is going to take care of all this shit. So he agrees and he's working with his uncle. Uh, and this uncle is the dad of Harry. Harry's the boy that he saved from drowning when he was young. Uh, but so George is like, all right, me and my uncle, whatever. I guess I don't remember the uncle's name, but they're like, we're going to figure out how to keep this whole thing going. And um, he's, he gives Harry, all, like all the money he was going to spend to go to college with and see the world and do all that. He's like, here, Harry, you take all this money and go to college. But when you come back, just come back and run the family business. It's like, I'll give you one guess as to how that plays out. <laughs> <laughs> Harry goes to Liberty University. Be, gets a Bible worship major. science. <laughs> and becomes a missionary to an unreached people group. Exactly. Cleveland. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually Boston is technically an unreached people group based on the amount of Christians that are there. So he goes to another famous city. Uh, No, Harry comes back. He's all married and he's like, his father-in-law gives him a job offer. So he basically just tells his uh, uncle George to fuck off and go kill himself, which is when George decides to jump off the bridge uh, and is forced to live some. So he just doesn't know. want to run the business. Is that what the yeah. deal is? Or was he failing at it? No, I guess he just didn't want to do it. I don't know. That's not also when George goes to kill himself. He's um, yeah. So George is like, I'll just run the family business. Now he doesn't see the world. He doesn't go to college. Um, and then George gets married to Mary and he blows all their honeymoon money to keep the business together and establishes like this, I don't know. It's some like loan and trust kind of company where it's like, it's like banking, but before banking was a fucking criminal organization, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) So he like establishes this modern housing development and there's this slumlord named Potter. Who's like, I don't want George to do this because you know, 
I'm a slumlord and I benefit off of housing. That's this is good. This is direct competition. So he offers George a really lucrative job. And George is like, nah, bitch, you can take that offer and shove it up your yeah, shove it up your yeah. And then he becomes uh, that, that that line right in that part of the movie is what becomes uh, the main inspiration for Limp Biscuits. It did all for the nookie. And then so now it's Christmas Eve and it's 1945. Is that and- an actual fact? No, <laughs> nope. <laughs> I made that up. Um, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm firing on all cylinders tonight. <laughs> yeah, it's because you just fisted a deer for like three hours and you're tired. <laughs> <laughs> just just smelling my fingers and you know <laughs> drifting off. Uh, well, now it's 1945 and World War II happens and George can't serve because during some incident when he was young, he's deaf in one ear. Um, well, Harry, Harry gets called to war. And this guy, the guy who, you know, his nephew who fucked him over with the family business comes home with a motherfucking medal of honor. <laughs> Makes him Dang. look like even more of a wuss. So he charged the Eagle's nest and <laughs> it had something to do with like saving some um, troop transport from a kamikaze. Huh? Well, is, boy, that's recent then. That's because uh, this was 1946 when this yeah. movie was made. Yep. So, so it was still fresh on people's mind. At the yeah, time. I think it took a few years for people to just fucking forget about World War II. God damn. Stop living in the past, right? <laughs> so it <laughs> gets even crazier for him. So he Billy Billy is uh, is George's uh, or yeah, I get Harry's dad. So I guess Billy is uh, I don't remember if Billy is his dad's brother or his brother. Either way, whatever. Um, Billy, Harry's dad, who he's been running that business with, he goes to deposit eight thousand dollars in cash, business cash. It's like for their business, eight thousand dollars at the uh, that slumlord Potter that they were always going back and forth with. Um, he goes to that guy's bank to deposit the money. And he goes, uh, which at he, the time, $8,000 would probably buy you what, was, an I, eight year college degree. And your I have house. Oh, more. I have the conversion rate, but this is, so he goes and he also brings a newspaper about how awesome his son is and taunts the slumlord Potter. Um, and this dumb as a fucking bag of rocks, motherfucker leaves the money in the newspaper that he brings to taunt the slumlord and just forgets to deposit it, just leaves $8,000 wrapped up in a newspaper. And the slumlord keeps it. This is the equivalent of $132,000 today. That's the conversion. So that's a lot, you know, for a small business. Well, that's what sets George off. He goes over the, he just kind of flies off the handles after that. And he yells at his whole family. And then... Oh yeah, so then George is like, I'm gonna. He go. He doesn't know what to do, right? Bottom. He's like, the business is over. I've never made anything of myself. What's the point of even living? I guess. So he's like, goes to that slumlord to try to bargain his life insurance policy against a loan in order to like keep their business going. So the slumlord's like, I got a little bitty question. What the fuck are you thinking? You think you're all that and then some? Well, you're not. I think you're. Dumb diddy dumb. Hmm. Also, uh, and then George is like, nobody loves me. Nobody cares. 
nobody loves me. Maybe I'll just go eat worms. And then the slumlord is like, that's right. Now it's time to pay the piper. Bums are the type of shit that's in a diaper. And that's when George knew he was nothing but pumpkin shoved into a can. And that was uh, just another series of Limp Bizkit lyrics that I thought would have made the movie better if they were if they were there. <laughs> it fit. I mean, you yeah. you could have stayed in character and I would have just thought, man, this is pretty edgy for 1946. Yeah, I sold it. Uh, yeah. Uh, so anyway, George gets shit faced, prays for help. Then it just goes to jump off a bridge. But Clarence the Angel jumps first. George forgets that he wants to die and ironically jumps off the bridge that he hopes will kill him to save some stranger he's never met. Uh, Then Clarence is like, I'll show you a timeline of what your life was like if you were never born. And then the town that he lives in is actually called Pottersville in this timeline because the slumlord bought it. And then the pharmacist that he stopped from giving out the wrong meds was getting arrested for manslaughter because he he wasn't George wasn't there to stop it from happening and then he never saved his nephew from drowning so his nephew never saved that troop transport in World War II and all the troops were dead and that was like a big news story and he saw uh, that in the paper and this then is, it was like it just it's also basically like a Christmas version of the butterfly effect yeah and it's just like it's like if you took the Christmas Carol and just showed somebody how great their life was the whole time. And we're like, isn't that a good movie? Like, yeah, well, don't we want, we should probably have like more, like let's look at past, present and then future. And it's like, well, here's a guy and he's always been good and he's only done great things for people. And we're just going to go through his life and see how good he was. He's cartoonishly good. And the only bad thing he's ever actually done is scream at his family and get drunk one time. Yes, that's it. So the basic premise of like why he's like done. So he got saddled to this family business that he didn't want to do anyways. He's put his whole life into it and foregone like all the experiences he wanted to do. And then because he's saddled, like tied at the hip to his dumb uncle, he gave all of his money away to his nephew. He put cash in a newspaper and okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's kind of like Clark Griswold. Yeah, it's like you're nice, and well, now we'll just show you. Like that's so that's it's like the movie had no real like oomph until a pharmacist went to jail. Oh my god! Imagine if he wasn't there to stop a pharmacist from going to jail. <laughs> and then, um, so anyway, then he go, then the last thing he sees is his wife, uh, who isn't his wife. He's just like a lowly spinster who never got married and. Oh my goodness. What an absolute travesty to see such she a wonderful woman not have a man. Yeah, no like being his partner. Yeah. Dude, she's a total loser. So he runs back to Clarence full speed, begs for his life back, and Clarence restores it to normal. And then he snaps back to reality. Oh, there goes gravity. And all of a sudden, all the townspeople are have raised enough money and then some to replace the $8,000 that his dumb fucking uncle, brother, whatever, lost. And in that donation pile was also a note from Clarence thanking him for his wings. Then a bell rings on a Christmas tree, and his kid says one of the worst fucking lines in movie history, 
Look, Daddy, teacher says every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. And then Clarence finally gets his wings and doesn't have to fall off bridges anymore and can just save people from jumping off them instead of taking someone on some fucking 48 hour acid trip to show them why their life has meaning. I do like the idea of angels having to earn their wings like they got to just do all their miraculous stuff on foot until they can (laughs) talk a guy out of suicide. Exactly. You have to like go through all of these logistics to talk someone out of it. You can't just save someone like a normal angel wings. Look, I watched a lot. What was that movie? Touched by an angel. The TV show. Did you ever watch that? No. Oh, my God. It didn't seem biblically accurate. It wasn't. I remember asking my mom if it was. Uh she said no, but she liked it anyway. And it was pretty touching at times. I was probably 11 when I would watch it. And I remember thoroughly enjoying it. I felt like it was one of those. Do you ever watch shows when you were a kid that you felt like they were like a little too old for you? So you just felt mature being able to watch it. And you would watch stuff you didn't care about simply on that basis alone. Yeah. Well, I remember at one point, like listening to my my dad had this like enormous squeaky plastic book that was like the Bible on tapes. And so I would just like listen to cassette tapes of the Bible. And I mean, not really even listen to him just the whole time be thinking about how how good of a son I was. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) That's almost the same. I remember when uh, like my mom would watch like the Rosie O'Donnell show, I would she would like fold laundry and watch Rosie O'Donnell and I would watch it too. And it like, you could tell she didn't want me there cause she just wanted to watch TV and fold laundry in peace, but she never made me leave. And I was like, I feel like I just pretended I liked it because it was like for grown ups, And it made me feel like I was, especially as like a sheltered homeschool kid who wasn't like allowed to watch things. Anything that made me feel like I was doing something grown ups did. I was like, Oh yeah, this is what it's like to be a grown up. This is cool. I guess uh, I guess Hannity and Combs was my Rosie O'Donnell show then. Oh, I would watch that. My dad would have that on at night, and I would watch some Hannity and Combs, and we'd all be like, ha, Combs, what a dumbass. That guy's a fucking idiot. Of course, we didn't use that language at the time, but we would just laugh at him and make fun of the way he looked and shit, too, because we were, you know, bad people. Yeah, and half-wit Sean Hannity would just, like, steamroll the poor guy because he was polite. Yeah. <laughs> let's be fair though it does look like somebody did just like pin the face skin back on a turtle and that was kind of like combs's look yeah yeah he's a real alan he had a thing for botox i think (laughs) i didn't know i didn't recognize what botox was at the time but like i that was my first experience with seeing it in a human face yeah i think that fox news hosts must have had like a, a company deal on that like my work they give you a free ymca membership like a at uh, at Fox News, you could just go down and get some Botox, you know, Greta Van Susteren style. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, only her mouth moved. Uh, I mean, her mouth never really moved when she talked. Yeah, I okay. So I looked up. So on IMBD, it's a wonderful life has an eight point six out of ten rating. It shouldn't like that's such bullshit. Four hundred and fifty six thousand votes. It's a terrible movie and it's in black and white. Okay. <laughs> I'm just so kidding. you just hate the fact that the guy is like a cartoonishly good character and is made out to be super important when, you know, he's just a normal jerk off. 
It, yeah, it essentially because it's just like not to me the plot has no real stakes. It's just like I get it. Oh, be thankful. You here's your life. It's all good. You never know what it would be like if you weren't there. And it's like I don't know. I think people like it because it makes normal, average, suck up people just feel good about themselves. Well, yeah, it's like, hey, you you're more important than you think you might be, and you impact the people the around you. I mean, if you're not a cynic, you could look at it that way. <laughs> but why? Like, as far as the movie goes, it's just like it lacks any interest. It's like, uh, maybe I think even the scripting and stuff. Like, so like, what's funny is the um the guy who directed it, like, it essentially tanked his career. It did so bad. He was like, oh, this guy, yeah, it was like, this guy can't make movies that will be successful. And he didn't really get any real opportunities to do movies afterwards. It's like, I mean, he probably did some, but like that movie definitely was a blight on his career, like on his career. It was like, oh, yeah, this guy made a giant flop. Like when you make a big ass flop, it's hard to like trust those people to like, you know, make your movies right. And I don't know. It's just like a lot of hokey lines. It just felt, it feels such like so forced. Like it's like a dramatization of something that so mundane that feels incredibly forced. So we're, we're watching this show right now that uh, one of my coworkers recommended it's on Netflix and it's called the devil in Ohio. Oh yeah. One of my coworkers started generally, you know, has like good opinions on, things i mean they match up with mine he's like he's like dude you gotta watch it it's so creepy and weird like you gotta you gotta watch it and so i uh came into it thinking i was gonna be watching like true detective and it is awful it's a (laughs) it is a horrendous show it's awful very similar and like the the characters are so cut and paste black and white characteristics for them you know like the the main lady is like just so good. Like she's just the nicest, most caring lady that's out to help everyone. And, you know, just the best. She's the best. And then like one of the daughters is supposed to be like awkward teenager. And I don't know. It's just like you you get the impression that the person writing the show is writing the character that they wanted to, that they feel like they were in high school. You know, it's like they're oh, all like character typography. She is a black room or a dark room in her in her closet, and you know is really into like photography as an art form. And and the kids, their conversations in the show are like so ridiculous. It's supposed to be in rural Ohio, right? And like the kid running the school newspaper, every time he shows up on screen, he has a different like ridiculous T-shirt for a rural Ohio kid to have like the first time he showed up, he had a notorious RBG shirt. Oh, come on. (laughs) He's like a, he's like a freshman in high school. And then, uh, the next time he had one that just said feminism in big block letters, like down the whole front of it. Uh, the littlest girl is like, I don't know, maybe seven or eight in the show. And she just talks about how much she loves Hamilton the whole time. It's like when people do stuff like that, it feels like there's no, like they're just creating characters around ideas or tropes and concepts. Like there's no, there's no depth or real 
development to characters. Like I need this person's here to fill or a particular a particular role. It's like um like I think again go like to going back to it's a wonderful life. It's like here's a re- relentlessly good guy and just always doing the right thing, never got him where he wanted to go and it's like but like I it like virtue it makes it like it makes it virtuous to be like I well, what are we going to do? Someone's going to continue on the family business. Like his brother couldn't, even though he wanted to. And I don't know. It just makes it feel like being a good person obligates you to stuff that's has no, it's like morally neutral. Uh, and then the bad guy is like the slum. It's like the bad guy is just the bad guy. It's like evils for evil sake and just out to crush the everyone else. No moral compass. It's like, I think what's annoying is like everything feels like, a setup to push an idea that ends up feeling hokey in the end. And I'm guessing that's why the movie just didn't do well to begin with. It was just like, this is, it's like too simplistic. And then the son is like the war hero. And I mean, the uh, nephew is like, and they tie in world war two. Like, it feels like tying that into it even is just like, you're just like grab, like grabbing, and I'm sure even like the keeping the family business going during like World War II probably plays. So I just feels like it's, it's just like grabbing from everything, and just creating like tropes to push an idea that doesn't have any real purpose. It's just like you didn't have to. Like you could have gone to college, I guess. Like you didn't have to give all your college money to your nephew so he could go to college to come back and run the family business. Like if he's going to run the family business, then why go to college? So it's like the idea that you have to go to college was like prevalent at the time. So they just like used that idea. And then it was like, use the, the time. It was like, probably, oh. probably actually was like, if you got a college degree, you're in the top like 5% of people your age in the country. Yeah, but what would you use that for if your end goal is to run a family business? Like, you got to do math. Do a math. Do a math. You're going to do a math without uh, it? I just that your I find it so hokey. And I think that Angel gets his wing. It's like, it, that felt like the ch- most try hard attempt to come up with something that people could quote for the rest of time. Like, I, I, did you hear a bell? Did you know every time a bell rings and Angel gets its wings? It's like, <laughs> dude, gross. It's not, it's so dumb. Like just so somebody like just hammering a dinner bell and the guy's the angels like sprouting a new wing from all <laughs> over his body every time it rings to become a biblically <laughs> accurate looking angel. That would yeah okay maybe there is some factual basis for it then. Do oh god so the kid in this show that runs the paper that had the t-shirts and stuff yeah so. He meets up with this girl. There's no context for it. They don't discuss it ever beforehand or anything like that. But apparently he was at the movies. She's like, how was the movies? And again, these are like sophomores in high school. She says, how was the movie? And he goes, amazing. Citizen Kane is such a revolutionary film. And I just like stood up. I'm like, I hate this show. I hate it so much. I hate it. (laughs) It's like. As a script writer, it's like it feels like you're being advertised to. Like you're not watching real people; you're just watching advertisement for an ideology or set of beliefs. Like it's almost like it's written by a bunch of uh, lunatics with no sense of self or identity. Yeah. <laughs> they just plug in like uh, 
you know, a, a action figure into the, yeah, into the like, role. Like the, like characters need to be representative of something bigger than they are to give the show value is weird. Like one of my favorite shows of all time is succession. And it's, it's all people who are just like deeply flawed, awful people. And you can still even like, you still get like, you know, glimpses of them develop, like growing as characters or having the occasional hang up on, some moral atrocity they're about to commit, but it's like the show works, even though everybody sucks. Like I just, you don't need to give people like, you don't need to make people caricatures of an idea or some ideology that you think is important in order to make the show good. And I think even if you have an idea for wanting to, uh, for wanting to communicate something that as if you're, you're a writer and you want to write a script about something that communicates something that's important to you. I think you can do that without being so on the nose with every character to the point where they don't feel like they have any depth or relatability. They're just like NPCs in a video game. You're just like, of course that character is going to say that that's the point. That's the, that's the one that drives that part of the plot or the story. And it just feels hokey after, after a while. For sure. I'm trying, I yeah. feel like there's a show that I watched that. Oh, it was um, Sense Eight. Did you watch that show? No, I don't think I know what that is. It was from the is it the Wachowski siblings, the ones who did they're the Matrix people. Um, and they just did a show about these people who developed superpowers, but it felt like that. It's like every single character was something very. It was specific representation of something else um and i i don't i didn't even hate that that's not like why i hated it um but it just felt like they were it felt like it relied on that entirely for the show to have value like so it was like most of the characters were like i at least as far as i can remember it was like a lot of like lgbtq characters and it's like great like representation for lgbtq people in media is awesome. But when their entire, when, when it felt like their, the entire identity show of the show was wrapped up in just that as a concept and not as like individuals. Plus the script was bad. Like the, it was hard to get through. Like the conversations people would have, you're like, could like, could you be more on the nose in point blank? It was like when you would watch like Pokemon or like, or anime shows as a kid where it's like, people spelling out specifically what needs to be done and exactly what they're thinking. I don't know. It just felt like not, it felt like robots having a conversation and not like an actual well-scripted conversation between real humans. So that sucked me out of it big time. Yeah. Those two have really not made anything that I've seen. That was very good since the matrix. Like the first one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause they also made like cloud Atlas. I feel like I tried to watch some of that. I remember that. I don't know. Yeah, it is a thing. So uh, skip The Devil in Ohio and just watch True Detective Season 1 again. Yeah, and uh, skip this year. Go ahead and just skip uh, It's a Wonderful Life. You don't need to watch watch it. Watch Bad Santa instead. Yeah. (laughs) Watch A Christmas Carol. Watch uh, Spirited. I just watched uh, Spirited with my kids. Uh, That's the new uh, Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds one. That's like a... A take on it's a take on the whole Scrooge 
thing, a uh, Christmas Carol story too. Um, and it's a musical and it was fun and funny. My kids liked it. There's a good amount of jokes in it that were like, it felt geared towards adults, but also relevant to kids. And, uh, also my son got scared and we had to stop watching it at the very end. So I have to finish it still. Actually, I have 30 <laughs> minutes left for that movie to watch. Uh, but when the, uh, ghost of Christmas future type came up, uh, that was scary to him, even though the ghost of Christmas future is it, I guess it's future. That's the one that's like death, like, and has like the bones. Yeah. The it's like the grim reaper. Well, he's voiced by Tracy Morgan. So it's funny. It's like Tracy Morgan's voice on like a character that looks terrifying. And then, uh, that that's what makes it funny, but my son couldn't get past the visuals. So it is what it is. I'll watch it with my daughter. <laughs> Finish it with her later. Oh boy. Well, yeah, I I think uh, I don't know what Christmas movies on my docket for this year, but uh, I imagine I'll probably see a Christmas story at some point. And now there's like a sequel to that apparently coming out. Yeah, I I the original so a Christmas Ralphie. story was a big one for me. I was always a huge fan. Watch that every year. <clears throat> and yeah, uh, it it is. It's a sequel. It's like the Ralph. Is it Ralphie? Was that the name of the kid in it? It's mm-hmm. like they got that guy, that kid is an adult to like do another Christmas story. And I'm guessing now he's the dad with kids and shit. I have, I'm go, I'll go into that one with a, a heavy dose of skepticism, but I will watch it nonetheless. And uh, I'll report back on a scale of like, uh, I guess it would be a scale of it's a wonderful life to 10 and we'll see where it lands. <laughs> well um if you guys uh if you have like a favorite christmas movie or tv show or uh you know 90s sitcom episode <laughs> that's uh that's especially good uh shoot us a message or or jump in the discord and tell us about it because i feel like i need some new things to watch i can't watch christmas vacation again i just can't yeah. do it. but uh yeah so if you like the show Leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to it. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you name it. And uh, yeah, we do have a Discord server. So um, if you'd like to join, send us a message on Instagram or you know elsewhere on social media, and we'll get you a link to that. Closing thoughts? Uh, Christmas closing shopping? Yeah, uh, No, I got nothing. No closing thoughts. Don't buy from Amazon. Just kidding. I bought all my stuff on Amazon. <laughs> LOL. Uh, it doesn't matter how much you, uh, hate it. You need it. And I'll rely on the U S government to make things better from here on out instead of trying to make changes that I want to see in the world. So, uh, we have basically, uh, what, what, so this will come out in two days. So there'll be like Couple one weeks. more episode after that until our favorite capitalist holiday. Uh, hopefully pretty, I was, but we were trying to do it for the, before the end of the year, but we're looking to have, um, our buddy Christian nightmares back on to do another yearly roundup of the top five worst nightmares of the year, but that might get pushed to January due to scheduling, but very excited about that. That's always a fun one for me. And well, I guess last year was the first time we did it and we're excited to make it a a tradition. Uh, So hopefully we'll have, I don't know. I, again, hope we were hoping to have that before the end of the year, but you know, such is life holiday schedule. Yep. 
So. so maybe we'll celebrate the new year with it. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.